Welcome to the Wanks of SCI podcast, where we discuss all things life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Polly and Brooke Paget. Our partner's spinal cord injuries are what brought us together, and our common bond as caregivers to quadriplegics is what helped us to create the advocacy group, WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges this lifestyle presents, and our mission is to spread awareness and positivity from our unique perspective. So join us each week as we discuss fresh topics and new ideas surrounding relationships, self-care, and living your best life as a caregiver and partner to someone with a serious injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wanks of SCI podcast. Here we go. The episode you're about to enjoy is brought to you by Anchor Medical Supplies. This company is very special to us as it is owned and operated by a quadriplegic. His name is Paul and his wag of SCI, Jessica. They have been married for 22 years and they strive to provide the best service in the industry for catheters and ostomy products. Anchor Medical Supplies is based in Georgia, but work with nationwide Medicare, Medicaid, and many private insurance companies, including Blue Cross and TRICARE. They work with your doctor's office to get prescriptions organized and they bill insurance directly. They ship discreetly to your door without any hassles. They are passionate about advocating for those with disabilities, and most of their staff are individuals that have been affected by paralysis themselves. Their personalized services include monthly check-ins, expert advice, and customized products. This makes them a company we can really rely on and trust. They know the SCI life, and they understand how important peer support can be. If you aren't sure you want to change providers, subscribe to their monthly newsletter. Jessica curates the latest SEI news, new products, and advice so you can stay informed and connected. Just go to their website, anchormedsupplies.com, and fill out the easy form. Give Jessica and Paul a call today at 1-833-667-8669, or you can visit their website at anchormedsupplies.com and tell them the ways of SEI sent you. Hey, everybody. We are back. We are back with a fresh new episode of the Wags of SEI podcast. And today, Brooke and I have a really great topic, and it is around policy. Let's talk policy, Brooke. Yeah, so we, for those of you who don't know, we run a private group on Facebook for Wags of SCI, and it's only for Wags of SCI, um, so that we can all interact and ask each other questions in a private setting. And something that has been really taking us off and bothering us over the past few years is how insurance, how government, how any sort of plan affects your life when it comes to insurance and supporting you and your partner with things like medical supplies, equipment, nursing, all things that are required for your partner to actually live. And so we see concerning posts all the time about, you know, how it's just so difficult with insurance, they don't want to pay for anything. And a lot of it surrounds policies and their policy handbooks and their you know, the things that they say to you in writing. And I know Elena and I have had 
a lot of experience with this ourselves. Um, Elaine and I have different experiences. My husband got injured at work, so he is involved with uh, workers' compensation and WorkSafe um, and workers' comp in the States is what it's called. And Elena and Dan go through government, and there's different policies there, but they're relatively the same because they're kind of arm's length. Um, and we've had so many struggles with policies over the past few years since our partner's injuries. And it just, it's so unfortunate because, and I know Elena, you can probably attest to this, but it just feels like 95% of the time, no one is really on your side to help you. Everybody just wants to make money or save money. Mm-hmm. And in times where you need assistance from insurance that you've paid into your whole working life or that you've paid into, I know in the States, the policies are so expensive. You've paid into this. And now when you need help, when you're in a situation where you need them, it's like a battle. So we always are just going to battle with, you know, whether it's insurance or government or whoever it is. We fight a lot of the battles for our partners. And so I think this episode is important because a lot of us are really struggling, especially right now, um, with certain policies that are there or that are not there. And so we kind of wanted to hop on and discuss our own personal experiences, but also talk about things we've learned along the way about how to handle policies and how to navigate your way through the system to help yourself and help your partner so that the system works for you more efficiently. So Elena, what what are your what's your personal experience with policy? So I mean, let's talk policy in terms of policies are in place, I believe, to be challenged, to be, you know, to be looked at and uh, changed and shaped differently as we move on through the process of our lives and as society evolves and changes and business evolves and changes. And, you know, I feel like everything around us keeps going except for these policies that are really, they kind of make you feel like you're handcuffed. Mm -hmm. And, and why do I mean by that? You know, the policy that we're talking about right now is about caregiving for our partners, you know, especially with COVID going on, we are the primary caregivers we're the only ones Mm -hmm. and we are not paid to do this Mm -hmm. so I find it really interesting that that the government you know and the structures that are put in place they will pay a stranger to come into your home to do care for your partner Mm -hmm. but they will not pay for the for you know a loved one to do the care or sorry the partner like the wife or girlfriend to do the care for her partner even though the usually most of the time we do it quite a bit better mm-hmm. you know um you know broken when you and i went away that one time you know you have a pretty horrific story about what what the care looked like for evan while you were gone for one night and i know with us like we've been battling bowel accidents with our care mm-hmm. um because they just either don't do it properly or they're they're on a time limit where they just kind of want, want to get in and get out and say hey i gotta go you, i have an hour here with you what do you need me to do for you and then they run up the door to their next client so that's something that that's been really a hard pill for us to swallow is that especially with COVID, we can't afford to have anybody coming into our home to possibly infect either one of us. Mm-hmm. And these are women that are working in vulnerable care facilities. They're, they're going from client to client to do the care, and then they're going to be coming into our home. But the government doesn't recognize us 
as partners as valuable enough to be paid and compensated for this. Even though most of the time, even long after care is gone, we're still the ones that are here doing all of the care, you know? Yeah. And this is a huge problem in our, um, in the world of caregivers who are also partners to someone with an injury is that they're not recognized as providing the best care if they give the best care um, in so many ways. I know there's lots of women in our community that have chosen to not marry their partner because if they marry their partner, they will not receive benefits because of, we've actually heard things of that are in policy handbooks of certain insurance that say, quote, wifely duties. So they're very insurance companies, governments, they're very concerned about, you know, people taking advantage of the system. And I mean, insurance wants to protect themselves at the end of the day. But I think this is something that Elena and I are going to continue to fight. And we've been fighting for a while and we're getting closer and closer to a resolution of like serious change and permanent change. Um, but I think, do you want to, let's start off with like, what is like a policy? So we found a definition of a policy on Wikipedia and it says a policy is a deliberate system of principles to guide decisions and achieve rational outcomes. A policy is a statement of intent that is implemented as a procedure or protocol. And I think it's important to know everybody out there that's listening that policies are not laws. Policies are created by organizations to guide their staff in making decisions, especially insurance companies. So I know, you know, a lot of us, we have when we sign up for insurance companies, whether it be house, medical, whatever it is, those policies always come along with a set of guidelines. It's called a policy handbook. They All insurance companies have them where it shows you what you can and cannot achieve with this insurance policy. And I know, I don't know about you, Elena, but before my partner's injury, I didn't really look at the fine print very much until I actually mm-hmm. needed it, right? Until we actually are at the point where we're like, okay, we need to navigate this policy and see what we can and cannot receive. Or, you know, when we're trying to fight for something that they're not approving, you have to look at the policies in more detail and see. But I think what people really don't understand, and this is what insurance companies bank on, is that policies are not laws and policies, like you said earlier, Elena, policies can be challenged. Policies can be looked at, dissected and spoken for in a way that it's like, you know what, this policy is not working for me. What can I do to challenge it? Right. And they're outdated, right? I mean, like everything oh, yeah. in life, they things become outdated. <laughs> so you know, when when we first had these policies presented to us, and we were kind of in the midst of trying to figure out survival modes and methods um, to get us through the day with our partners, we didn't really have time. And I think that's one of the scariest things is that a lot of, you know, a, a lot of these um, setups and, and, you know, you don't know what you're signing, you don't know what you're signing, because you're in a state of like, still trauma. And that's usually when you know, in rehab, they'll come to you and they'll say, so what decisions do you want to make regarding this or that? Like, you don't really know what you're signing off on, because mm-hmm. you, A, you're fresh to the injury. And B, you really just don't know what you're looking at. And you don't really have an advocate, unless you have money to hire a lawyer, mm-hmm. you don't really have an advocate, nor do you have the 
the time to really look at things. So you trust the system, right? We all fall into just trusting the system, thinking that they have our best interests in mind. And a lot of the times that's not the case. And you'll learn Uh as being, you know, a wife or girl from somebody going through this life is that you have to do a lot of advocating for yourself and for your partner. Uh Yeah. I like to say that it is like my, my second full-time job is being an advocate on behalf of my partner to help him guide himself through the insurance process and just realize I find a lot of the time too is insurance they bank on you not understanding the policies they bank on you not knowing the policies and not knowing what you can and can't have even I mean there's there's nobody that comes to you you know at the start of an injury and says okay this is what you can have these are all the possibilities they don't do that they leave that up to you to figure out and so so many people Mm -hmm. go an entire lifetime without realizing I could have had this or I could have had that or I could have made my life a little bit easier with if I had just understood what the policies were and if I would have known that I can be empowered to not only change them but challenge them in a way um yeah and, for sure you and know that goes that goes through like a lot though like that's like even from the beginning of injury you know like just to hop in real quick like for instance dan was injured at a resort probably an american-owned resort in cuba mm-hmm. had we known that we could have there could have been a lawsuit mm-hmm. uh, we probably would have pursued that but because we were so unaware we didn't have an advocate we didn't know what we were looking at um that two years went by which is the window of when you could do that mm-hmm. and now we're just learning about that you know so well it's hard right because like you said before you're so caught up in the daily struggle to get back on your feet and just to live that you don't you're not really thinking outside of the box when it comes to that stuff you're not in the mood to fight any more than you already are you know yeah yeah it's exhausting (laughs) it is exhausting and it's like the the sad truth is is that insurance companies whether it's private or public or whatever they're banking on the fact that you are going to be too tired and you're not going to understand your rights and you're not going to understand what you can and can't have and that is unfortunate um I mean there's been so many situations where myself and my husband have read something or found out something through somebody else and realized holy shit this is available to me that I did not know of, or this is available to that person that they didn't know so that we could help other people. And it's sometimes shocking because it's like, oh, there's so many things that it's just, you look at the handbook. I know Mm -hmm. our handbook is 120 pages of wording that is just so complex and so hard to understand that you have to read it over 10 times each page because you're just like, what does this mean? So Mm -hmm. many gray areas. And that's we get a lot of women messaging us, asking us for locally for um, tips and tricks to navigate the local insurance systems here in Canada. It's government. All of most of it is government um, and t- tips to navigate the policies and procedures and what we can and can't do. And it's like, you know, as soon as you realize that you're a number and that you're not really a person in the eyes of, quote, the system, I think when you really truly realize that and you stop relying on other people to do the work for you or trusting in outside sources to help you, it's all up to you. I I always say that, like, it's all up to you. You have to do the grunt work. Even if you have a lawyer, I mean, you have to do most Mm -hmm. of the work, you know, like you have to be the one to do the research. You have to be the one to know the stuff. And, and, you know, with insurance companies, everything is online now. 
Everything is available for your perusal online. It's just a mountain of information that is very overwhelming. And so the faster you can start reading through this stuff and requesting documents, like even private insurance in the States. I know there's some women that requested some documents from their insurance about caregiving policies. They found out that there are were programs for them specifically that compensated certain aspects of their care so that they could afford to stay home and it changed their lives. And they didn't realize that before. So I don't know. I think the point of this podcast is to share our stories and to like discuss what we've learned over time and how important it is to advocate for yourself and your partner and just do the reading, do the grunt work, do the research, empower yourself totally. to know that policies can be changed. Let's put this episode on a momentary pause because we want to introduce all of you to another one of our amazing sponsors, Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases and work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource for the SEI community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You are not just a case. You're a person with a family, a life and a purpose. Robin and her team are always looking for ways that they can help rebuild the best life possible for their clients by finding them support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance or benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, making sure that her clients are doing okay physically and mentally. Wishart Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WEGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way she can because she wants you to live a life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free. So contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure you mention the wags of SCI. Um, so Elena, I know both of us like to get back to what you were talking about earlier about what we're working on right now individually in our own households and kind of for the collective is getting caregivers who are partners who want or who are around to provide care when nurses are not there or if they choose not to have nursing and they want to take care of their partner as of right now it is not recognized and I know this is the same for most most areas in North America specifically is you cannot be paid for that work because it's considered something you would do anyways. But but what these policies and governments do not understand is that it's not just wifely duties helping and assisting your quadriplegic or paraplegic partner to move around or do a catheter or medical things that you should not be doing but do anyways. And so I think that's the piece that we're trying to fight right now in our city is navigating the policies and procedures and finding ways and gray areas to get around those policies that are set in stone because people so far have been too afraid to challenge them. And I think both Elena and I want to see a future where if you choose to care for your partner and you don't want to have a nurse around 24-7, if that's what's needed, you should be compensated for that, you know? I mean, yeah. Elena, yeah. how many times have you had to run home from what you were doing? Or, I mean, you mm -hmm. organize your life around your partner's needs. 
Yeah, many times. I mean, I've had to leave work a few times because, you know, there was an emergency at home or my partner needed me to come home. Um, I mean, it happens all the time. I've been out with you before where I've had to run home because Dan fell out of his wheelchair, um, which doesn't happen very often, but it did happen that day. I mean, we've, yeah, it's, it's all day long. I mean, even when we go to bed at nighttime, you know, your partner has spasms and then kicks all their equipment off their bed. You have to get up mm-hmm. out of your bed in, in your zombie state and, and, you know, get, get the things that they need, whether it's medication or water bottle filled or, I don't know when you just have to adjust them all throughout the night, all throughout the day. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's just really interesting that the government doesn't have any, anything in place at all for caregivers and that being a partner, you're just assumed to take on this role, which I find really interesting because I mean, there's there, you know, the government provides support for parents who have children. Mm -hmm. They get compensated something each Mm -hmm. month Mm -hmm. for having children, but you know, taking care of somebody, but we are not seen as, I don't know. I don't know what the what's missing there. Well, what we're navigating right now, for those of you who don't know, is we're navigating kind of the arm's length issue. So I know our insurance company specifically has said repeatedly in their documents that if you're too close of in relation to someone or you're within arm's length of someone, you are not to be compensated and you cannot be hired um, by that person in order to care for them. You cannot be paid. And it's just shocking to me because Elaine and I both, like, we agree on this, the fact that if you want to, if you choose to, the care you provide for your partner is a hundred times better than someone else who comes in and does their job. Um, I mean, we've experienced so many crazy things I could go on for hours. Unfortunately, this is not going to be a long enough podcast for that. But we've had nurses that have literally called in sick to me myself and billed their hours at the agency. 82 shifts, I think it was 82, where I was covering for her. She told me she had an autoimmune disease. Oh my um, God. Yeah, after 82 shifts, we finally found out it was such an intricate thing that she had set up. Um, and it was totally unsuspected. But after 82 shifts of me taking the reins and doing the care in lieu of her not showing up, I realized I was like, holy, I have this down pat. We have this down pat. We don't need someone to Mm -hmm. come in. We figured it out. You know, this works for us. We don't have to, you know, design our life around someone else's, you know, schedule. And so then when we found out that it was all a big lie and she was getting paid, she ended up getting her license stripped. And it was a big experience for us because we were like, wow, So this in the eyes of the government and insurance, this is considered something that they should be paying $65 an hour for Um, when I've taken the reins and and taken over and made sure that my husband was okay and the care ended up being way better. And it continues to be better to this day. And I know you can attest to that, too. I mean, like you've said, since nursing has not been around since COVID, your partner hasn't had any accidents. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole point of this is. The people that care the most, that have wanting, that want to do this, that want to provide care for their partners, should not be penalized just because they're with someone in a romantic way. Yeah, and I mean, we've heard so many stories of people lying, of people having to get a divorce so that that their yep. spouse could get paid. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty sad, right? It's like you know, Dan and I have even talked about this. We're you know, we're kind of 
going through a process where we're trying to set up Cecil and, you know, we're talking about should we we're not married but should we split up our taxes should i say that i live somewhere else like send it to my parents place or what do we need to do in in terms of being compensated because it is a full-time job and you know i mean if i was out working somewhere else right now i don't know how i'd be able to kind of we wouldn't be able to manage it there's no way he would need to have care coming in all throughout the day well exactly and that's the whole point it's like you know we consider ourselves caregivers first and foremost like we call ourselves that we are caregivers and it's like do we really want to have our lives and our partners have to sit around with a nurse all day um it's just it's not something that we want to do. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't mind that and that's totally fine. But for us, it's like, we're young We're we want to get out there. We want to travel. We want to do things that require independence. And, you know, we can do that with our loved one if we don't have someone following us around all the time. And it's just, it's a personal preference thing. And it's interesting if this whole thing is just so crazy. I mean, I remember when my husband was applying to have, to be able to hire me as his care, He was given a whole host of reasons as to why, which didn't make much sense. But the biggest reason was conflict of interest. Um, And the conflict of interest thing is is interesting to me um, because a conflict of interest is where someone will gain something by the employment. And I just don't understand what I would gain from this besides just being rewarded for a baseline of what I'm doing, even though it's going to be way less than someone who's a nurse. Um, how, how do you like separate a conflict of interest for me versus a conflict of interest of somebody else that comes in? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. whoever comes in could have a conflict of interest too. They could be wanting professional advancement or wanting an easier job, or I have no idea. But the fact that they associate a conflict of interest with a spouse or a girlfriend is just mind boggling to me. It doesn't really make much sense. And I feel like, it's just something that needs to be changed. It's just, it's so outdated. It's so unnecessary. And I remember my husband asked his case manager, so what are you guys worried about? Like, why are these policies even a thing? And he said to him, well, we've had many people taking advantage of it in the past. Like, for instance, we'd have a mother or a girlfriend being paid for the care and they wouldn't need to do anything and they'd just be paid for doing nothing. And my husband replied and he'd say, don't you think that there should be a specific clause for people that require 24-hour care like a quadriplegic he's like you think my wife is going to sit around and do nothing and be paid for it he's like wake up and so I remember speaking with Robin Robin is a lawyer that's also an advocate for WEGS of SCI she gives us advice she's amazing and Mm -hmm. she she actually was talking to me Elaine I told you the other day about how that they just nobody knows insurance people do not know what we do as caregivers they think we're sitting around helping our partners put our pants put their pants on, getting them into their wheelchair and that's it. They don't understand what we do on a daily basis to help support our partner's life. And I think that's the biggest thing there is like, you know, she always gives us advice Elena about be as graphic as possible. Explain exactly what you're doing in as much detail as possible to these people so that they understand what actually is going on. And I think, you know, that's a good piece of advice for anyone listening right now Mm -hmm. is, you know, I know, Elena, we got an independent occupational therapist to come in to our homes and look at our routine as it actually is and document everything that we're doing, our partners and ourselves together, separate, 
and writing it all down in a comprehensive report for our insurance. And I think, you know, if that's an option for you, I think that's a huge piece of advice is to get an independent assessment done. Right. I mean, like you said, we do have the support of Robin Wishart with Wishart Law, um, who's our, our mentor and advocate. So, you know, through her, through that hookup, we were able to kind of see other resources as well. So if you guys ever need any sort of advocacy, mm-hmm. we're always here. Um, you know, like we said, Robin is always there for us as well and for the WAGs. And mm-hmm. um, that is the best place to start. Get an independent assessment with an OT and our appointments were about four or five hours long each. So it was very, very detailed. And, you know, if it takes four or five hours to document what a regular day looks like for somebody who's in a wheelchair, then you see the kind of work that is out there. Policies that are, you know, some policies can't cover any of this, can't comprehend these things. Nobody can unless you're living the life or or you're able to share it. So hopefully through our share here today, you're able to kind of, you know, feel a little bit better about advocating for yourself and know that, you know, you deserve it. Your partner deserve, deserves this. Everybody deserves to have a peaceful and a happy life, not one that's consumed by stress and being overworked and not compensated. Exactly. And I mean, you know, the outcome of having an independent assessment done that you can have on file by a qualified occupational therapist or a qualified practitioner is that you can use it when someone denies you something because they don't think that your partner needs it or they don't think that you guys need it in your home. Um, So you can use it in so many ways. And I mean, look what happened with our situations, Elena. Like, I mean, you guys had a certain amount of hours set for care that they looked at the report and they were like, oh my God, he needs way more than what he's been given. And and same as us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we only got an hour and a half each morning to do dance bells yeah um shower him get him dressed yeah not even like make him breakfast or anything else that's that's all we had and then that was kind of a slap in the face so you know everything else was kind of just put in my hands and again without any compensation or anybody even really caring about that so yeah I mean we'll be totally honest with you and we've made many sacrifices in our lives to mm-hmm. be able to adjust to this new way of living mm-hmm. so I think in general um, those who are listening right now what can you take away from this well know that policies are meant to be changed and challenged Um, Know that they're made by the organization themselves. So it really is not a law. It's something that they made themselves to govern their staff and to govern you. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's truth. Know your rights. Know what you can and can't do. Do your research. Um, Go online. Request rules. Request these documents from your insurers. Ask questions. Ask why. Why is this the case? Where is the policy to back this up? And also know that When you get a decision letter from insurance or from whoever your insurer is, those decisions are not necessarily final. Um, All insurance companies have a mandate of appeals. And usually when you do an appeal to a decision, it goes to an outside person that is in charge of looking at the situation from an impartial perspective. And so, I mean, myself, I've done now four appeals over the six years. And I think the statistic, I think what Robin said is 90% of appeals, if done well, get approved because they don't want you to appeal these things. They don't want you to submit 
and ask for why did this happen? Why can't my husband have this? They don't want you to argue because they're hoping that you'll just go away. They're hoping that you'll just take their first decision as the only decision. And so I think everyone should feel empowered to know that you can change things and you don't have to be intimidated because at the end of the day, you and your partner care about each other. You care about his life. You care about her life, whoever you're, you're in a relationship with. It's you against the world, pretty much. I mean, and we're just here to help you. So I think like, you know, Elena and I are always around if anybody needs help advocating for themselves, advocating for their partners. Um, Our group is there for all WAGs who want to talk and speak about other experiences with insurance. I know a ton of advice is given on that situation when it comes to that, because at the end of the day, this is your life. This is your life. And you only live it once and you want to live your best life, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, you bet. So to wrap it up, thanks so much for listening to the Wags of SEI podcast and please don't hesitate to reach out to us or Robin Wishart with Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Yeah, she's always around and just mentioned the Wags of SEI. She works North America wide and she's there to provide assistance and help, especially when it comes to, you know, personal injury and, and loss and all that kind of stuff. So if you have any questions, email us wagsofsci at gmail.com and we will connect you. Cheers. The advocacy and outreach group WAGS of SCI is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for day nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our WAGS, including counseling, and our amazing meetups led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website, wagsofsci.com or donate directly to the Wags of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.